Um, I'm just going to read now um, the, the Bible readings for, for today. There's three of them. Um, so uh, if you have the Pew Bibles, if they're around, we're looking at page number eight. It's pretty easy to find. Um, but we're looking at Gen- uh, Genesis 12, um, 1 to 5, Genesis 15, 1 to 6, and Genesis 17, 1 to 13. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he sent out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Chapter 15, 1 to 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, What can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Even me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him This man will not be your heir, but the son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offering be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly... Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I'll make you a father of many nations. I'll make you very fruitful. I'll make, you, I'll make nations of you and kings will come from you. I'll establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and to be the God of the descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I'll be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner. Born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. So we're going to get into um, Abraham's story in a minute, but... Um, I had the privilege of being at the graduation at table yesterday, and so it was really exciting to celebrate with Rach and with Sophie and then Mick and Arlena who weren't able to be there, but um, certainly whose names were <laughs> mentioned. And um, 
Then to hear about all the other good things that Elliot mentioned is happening amongst us, you know, um, Mick and Cammie's baby and Britt and Lauren's baby, and there's probably heaps of stuff going on in your lives as well that we can celebrate. And it makes me think of these, there's kind of these significant moments in life, a graduation or the birth of a baby or a wedding. Um, it might be the first day of school or a big birthday. And we have these kind of markers, these moments um, of transition or of stopping and noticing and recognising what's been happening. Um, and it's really great to notice those markers and those moments. Um, I saw a card yesterday that said, you know, today's moments become tomorrow's memories. It's a bit of a corny cliche, but the idea that we look back and we can kind of mark out the transitions and the big things that have been happening in our lives. But sometimes the biggest moments, the biggest transitions, the biggest changes, the most significant days are not the expected ones, not the ones that come with a big outfit and a public celebration. Sometimes the most significant days are unexpected and maybe just what's happening inside you because God speaks into your life and he calls you. And it's worth noticing those as well and marking them out. I've always been someone who uh, tries to journal. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> but in particular, trying to write down so that I can remember when I have those moments, when God speaks, when significant events occur within me, that I can look back and see those markers on my journey of following him. One of the most significant days of my life was pretty unexpected. It happened when I was 19. Um, like a lot of people, I thought at that age the biggest decision I had to make, and I probably thought it was the biggest decision I would ever have to make in my life, is what I was going to do with my life. When you finish high school, I took a year off, and then you're like, what am I going to do next? Or what am I going to study? Or what job am I going to get? That's the biggest decision I'm ever going to have to make, or at least that's how it felt at the time. Um, and because I did something a little bit unusual, and I would say a little bit silly, so not my recommended pathway for those of you who are in high school of how to decide what to do with your life. Um, but I had all these options. I didn't really want to know what I wanted to do. Um, and people had encouraged me to consider different university courses and different career paths, and I had some ideas of what I thought I would like to do, but I also had some ideas of what I thought I should do uh, and what would be a good thing to do. And so I found myself at 19 with all these different options, and I thought it was the most important decision I would ever have to make. What am I going to do next? What am I going to go study? And because of where I was living at the time, choosing what to study was also choosing where I was going to live because I knew I was going to have to move away to go to university. And so I had, essentially what happened is I had six different offers because I applied for university in every state around Australia. So I got into six different courses in six different states and I had three days to decide which one I was going to choose. What am I going to do with my life? And I was praying because I'd become a Christian a couple of years before and God spoke to me unexpectedly, out of the blue, on just what seemed like an ordinary day. And he said something to me that I am so glad that I wrote down and I have come back to at so many points in my life. I was saying to God, what should I do? What should I choose? What should I do with my life? And you know what God said to me? It doesn't matter. That might seem like a very dismissive thing for God to say, but what God said to me was, it doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you follow. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you follow. I could have chosen any of those options I had in front of me, any of those pathways. None of them were wrong. You know, none of them were going off to study to be, I don't know, a burglar or a mafia mastermind. So they were all kind of fitting in with the general plan. What mattered was once I got there, wherever I went, whatever I studied, who was I going to follow? 
And so that was actually how I ended up coming to Adelaide. Um, I decided to come here and to study at university here. Uh, it didn't end up being the thing that I did with my life. I studied law and never ended up becoming a lawyer. So what I thought was the most important decision, I realised, was not at all the most important decision. The most important question and decision I've ever made is, who am I going to follow? See, I became a Christian just a few years before that, when I was about 15, um, largely through the influence of my best friend at high school. His dad was a pastor, invited me to youth group and to church, and I met all these people, and I saw um, that Jesus was real to them. And then I met Jesus myself. And I knew that what I wanted to do was follow him. Because if he is who he says he is, and if he has made himself known to me, then my life can never be the same again. And so I responded to that call, and then um, very simply, my friend one day said to me, so why haven't you been baptised? I was like, oh, well, yeah, Jesus says, follow me, be baptised, so okay, I'll do that. Uh, and so I stood up in front of everyone, my family and my friends and my church, and, and got baptised when I was 15 and said, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, I would love to tell you that it's been easy since then, and that, you know, that decision to follow Jesus has just made every other decision in my life easy. But it has been the marker that I keep coming back to. For some reason, I find myself getting tied into knots over and over again and thinking, what am I going to do? What decision should I make here? What's the right thing to do in this situation? And God's word is very simple for me. He keeps coming back to that same phrase over and over again. Maybe I'm just very slow to understand it. It's not about what you do. It's about who you follow. That's the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. Who are you going to follow? And once you've made that decision, then you just need to keep coming back and making that decision every day. I want to be someone who follows Jesus. That doesn't make every other decision, as I said, easy. It doesn't make life simple, but it is the guiding direction and the most important thing that I've ever chosen to do. It's been a journey since then. Obviously, that was quite a few years ago now. Um, and even just recently, last year again, and then this year, I've had to make some decisions about what I'm going to do. And I get so overwhelmed um, and caught up as if the most important thing is the what. I don't know, again, if that's me or if that's our culture or if that's the way that the world is set up. But I get distracted and I think the most important decision I need to make is what am I going to do? And I need to be reminded over and over again, and so maybe I'm preaching this sermon to myself this morning. <laughs> it's about who I'm going to follow. So I've always related to Abraham's story. And so as we start this new series talking about the stories of the people of God in the book of Genesis, call to faith, stories of God's family and people responding to God's call on their lives. Abraham's story is actually quite similar. God asked Abraham to follow him not knowing where they were going. God actually said to Abraham, come and follow me and then I'll show you where we're going to go. But the call to follow came before the where and the what of how that was going to look in his life. And so we're going to talk about Abraham's story today, and over the next few weeks we're going to talk about some of the other stories of these people in Genesis. And these are stories of people in history, but they're also stories of people in our family. And 
really helpful way to think about these stories we're going to be exploring over the next few weeks is this is our family history. These are our family stories. These are the people who come before us in faith. And as God speaks into their lives and as they respond, God speaks into our lives and calls us to respond too. And so we're going to be exploring, as Andrew said, some of the stories of people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and the youth church and junior youth and the kids are also going to be looking at some of those stories. We're even going to have a go at some of the messy stories. Um, Elliot's going to brave the story of Hagar next week. And in a few weeks, we're going to look at Tamar's story, which I have no idea what we're going to do with. These ordinary people with very messy and complicated lives. But I think the simple thing we're going to come back to over and over again, and so it might sound like we're going to just say the same thing for the next six weeks, is it's not so much about what is happening in their lives. It's about who they decide to follow. So Abraham gets called by God to step into the unknown. Now, Abraham is uh, 75 at this point in his life, so he feels like he's probably lived a decent life. We actually get told in other places in the Bible he's from a distant land, he's a worshipper of other gods. He's got this kind of whole backstory and a whole life that we know very little about, but God speaks into that and everything changes. Abraham is called to follow this God who has made himself known to him. It's a decision of faith, a decision of trust, a decision of following. I love actually in, in Genesis 15 that Andrew read and, and again in chapter 17, God says to Abraham, I want you to walk with me. And I love the idea that following is something you do with your feet. Now, those of you who've been around for a while, last year we did this series looking at the senses and we talked about the different senses in the Old Testament and how actually your feet are one of the senses, one of the ways that you make sense of the world and one of the ways that you respond to God. And I've been really captured by that idea and also really challenged by it because sometimes it's easy to think about faith as something you do with your mind. I believe. There's these certain ideas about who God is and if I tick them off and say yes to them in my mind, then that's what faith is. That's part of it. It's a really important step. Other times we think that faith is something that you do with your heart. It's about trusting God with your heart and the feelings that you have towards him. Not just thinking the right things about God, but actually responding to him with the way that you feel towards him, loving him, worshipping him. Again, that's really important. But following is something that you do with your feet. It is actually walked out in practice. It's not just something we think or even feel but something that we live and step into day by day by day by day by day. You can tick something off in your mind once. Maybe you can have the right feelings or you need to keep coming back to them as we sang in that song earlier. But walking is something that you need to do one step after the other. And we're told in Abraham's story that he had faith, that he trusted God, that he believed God. And what that looked like in Genesis 12 we read is he actually picked up his feet and he walked. And I'm talking walked. He walked from basically modern-day Iraq all the way to modern-day Israel. That's a fair hike, let me just say. Um, You can give it a go sometime if you want. He walked with his family, his his, uh, servants, his animals, his possessions, everything he owned. He left behind everything he knew and they walked. 
And I have to wonder what that journey was like, day by day, placing one foot in front of the other, not knowing where they were going, but trusting this God who had called him and made himself known. And Genesis 15 says that that trust, that faith, that action of taking, picking up his feet and putting one in front of the other and taking that step day by day, God credited to Abraham as righteousness. Abraham trusted God. Abraham followed God. And God credited it to him, Genesis 15 says, as righteousness. Now that introduces all kinds of interesting theological concepts into the story. But righteousness is basically the idea of being right with God, of being in right relationship with God. And for many religions around the world, and certainly for someone like Abraham back in his day and in his culture, righteousness was seen as kind of ticking the boxes of doing certain things and not doing other things, maybe participating in certain rituals and not in others. But Genesis tells us that righteousness with God, right relationship with God, is about walking with him day by day, being in relationship with him. And so God enters into what the Bible calls a covenant with Abraham. And covenant is really just a fancy biblical word for relationship. The heart of the covenant is this. God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. We will be in relationship. I will know you and you will know me. I will make myself known to you. I will lead you and I will guide you. I will walk with you and you will walk with me. And that's the marker of Abraham's life. The reason I asked Andrew to read those three different passages is because Abraham's story, perhaps a little bit like mine and maybe like some of yours, has these key markers, these key moments, not just one, but multiple times when God reminds him and speaks to him again and says, follow me, walk with me, trust me, put your faith in me, and Abraham responds. And these become the marking points of his life. Now, if you want to go home this week and read the rest of Abraham's story, it takes place over about 12 chapters of the book of Genesis. So start in Genesis chapter 12 and read right through to about chapter 24. It's an interesting and fun thing to do, and you'll come up with all kinds of interesting situations and questions. Because the rest of Abraham's life is basically a hot mess. (laughs) He gets himself into so many scrapes, most of the time because he does something dumb like lying about who his wife is and saying that she's his sister or um, doing something with his, you know, having an, a debate with his nephew about who lives where and sending him off to here or having a battle with some different kings who are living in the area or all kinds of weird and wacky situations in his life. But these key markers of God speaking again to him call him back and say all of that stuff, in a sense, isn't the most important thing. There's the what and the where that's going on in your life. But God always brings him back to the who. Who do you follow, Abraham? Whose are you? Whose God is your God? I will be your God, and you will be mine. So Abraham's story is not a hero's tale. It's not an epic of someone that you can read and go, here, kids, be like this guy. Don't be like Abraham. There's many, many stories in Abraham where say, don't do what Abraham did. Bad decisions, crazy ideas. It's not a tale of morality or a lesson to be learned. But it is a story about someone whose life is marked out by a God who keeps coming back to that simple call, follow me, trust me, walk with me. It's a daily decision for Abraham. It's marked out in his life year after year 
by these moments when God speaks and calls him to respond. God's promise in Genesis 12 is this. I will bless you, and through you, I will bless everyone else. Basically, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing, and through you, all peoples will be blessed. So Abraham receives this incredible gift of a relationship with God, where he walks with God moment by moment, day by day, through the mistakes and the ups and downs. And through that, he gets to participate in what God is doing in the world, in this bigger picture, in this bigger purpose of God's story. That's why I can say that this is our family story. This is our story. Abraham is actually the first one in a long, long line of people that you can trace right throughout the Old Testament, on into the New Testament, through the history of the church, down to today, to the point that the New Testament calls the church the children of Abraham. Not literally, but in the sense that we walk in the same path. We are called to the same call. We follow the same God. And we participate in the same blessing purpose that God has always had to draw people to himself and to make himself known. Now, there is a moment for Abraham when he's called to a very practical response. I said it's not about what he does, it's not about where he goes, it's about who he follows. But there is this concrete moment where Abraham is called to participate and to actively respond to what God is doing. And Andrew read the story to us in Genesis 17. And it's a little bit of an odd story, I'll be honest, and a little bit nervous about trying to explain it to you because I'm not sure that I fully understand all the details of it. But God says, this covenant, this relationship that I've invited you to be in, this walking with me day by day, this faith, this responding to following me, I want you to do something, a physical action that will mark it out, that will be a sign and a symbol so that you will know and so that others will know that this is the defining feature of your life. And that, to me, sounds like a great idea. It's not something that Abraham has to do, a bunch of checklists of you know, boxes he has to tick. It's a simple, practical, concrete, grounded response um, to acknowledge and to make known to the world that he belongs to God and that he has chosen to follow God. The messiness comes in with the, the, the sign that God chose. God chooses circumcision, right? I'm like, I want to ask God one day, why? <laughs> why that? <laughs> now, I think there's some reasons, but, you know, why that? And also, like, who? Because that only counts for half the population. You realise you're kind of missing out a few people there by choosing that. Anyway, this is one of those, like, sorry, parents, I'll leave this to explain this in detail to your kids later. But um, there does seem to be a connection with the promises that God has made, certainly, this promise that Abraham will be the father of many nations. And it's certainly something that fits within Abraham's cultural context. So it might seem weird and obscure to us, but it didn't seem weird and obscure to Abraham. He was like, yeah, yeah, great idea, let's do that. Okay, let's go with that. And so there becomes this symbol, this sign, this public act. Now, again, I have some questions about how this is public and how public this is, but that's how Abraham sees it. This public act where he responds and marks himself out forever as one who has decided to respond to and follow God. So that's Abraham's story in a nutshell, if you like. Called to follow. Called to follow without knowing where, because he knows who. Called to follow in the messiness of his daily life. Called to walk it out step by step. Called to be a part of what God is doing in a much bigger picture than just beyond himself. And called to respond by obedience 
in the sign that God has chosen. That's Abraham's story, but really it's God's story. What God is doing here in Abraham is one example of what God is always doing in the lives of people. We're actually going to see a lot of themes, I think, emerge over the next few weeks in all the different lives of the different people in this story, generation after generation after generation. Their lives look different, things change, circumstances change, names change, but God remains the same. And God's call to his people remains the same. Follow me, walk with me, I will be your God, you will be my people. Put your trust in me, what I am looking for is a relationship with you so that I might make myself known to you and through you make myself known to the world. There's lots of connections between Abraham's story and the stories of his son and his grandson, his descendants, the whole nation. And in fact, there's a lot of connections between Abraham's story and the story of Jesus. Jesus comes along. In the pages of the New Testament, we read that God sends his son to make himself known once and for all fully to us. And the first words that Jesus speaks to his disciples are those same words that God spoke to Abraham. Come, follow me. I love that Jesus doesn't say, believe in me, think about me, have nice feelings towards me. He says, follow me. Pick up your feet. Start walking with me. And for the next however many years, that's exactly what these disciples do. They walk with Jesus day by day. They hang out with him. They get to know him. They have messy lives too. They make some dumb decisions and do some crazy things. You can read the stories just like Abraham. Again, no hero's tales in the New Testament. But they walk with Jesus day by day. They make a decision to follow him. And that becomes the defining marker of their lives. Again, it's not about what they do. It's not so much about where they go. It's about who they have chosen to follow. And Jesus invites them into a covenant relationship, the same language that's been used since Abraham, right throughout the history of the Old Testament. But Jesus says, it's a new covenant I'm making with you. And we can all be thankful for that (laughs) because it has a different sign, for starters. (laughs) But it also has a different dimension to it. This new covenant relationship, Jesus says, is in his blood and in his body. We just celebrated Easter last week where Jesus comes and makes God known to us most fully by dying and sacrificing himself in our place and then being raised by God and inviting us into a new kind of life. And you know, the New Testament writers can say this is actually what Abraham was looking for. He didn't know it. When God said, come and follow me and you don't know where we're going, the New Testament writers say what God was actually talking about was Jesus. And when Abraham trusted God and put his faith in him and walked with God and God credited him to, that to him as righteousness, that was actually pointing to Jesus. The Jesus who comes along and says again, I will be your God. You will be my people. Come and follow me. And again, it's messy in practice. It's not just a once-for-all decision. Jesus' disciples have to learn every day to pick up their feet and follow him again, to make the decision to walk with him, to listen to him, to respond to him. But again, they get the privilege of being a part of God's bigger purposes in the world, part of what God is doing not just for them, not even just for those around them, but through them for everyone. 
And again, a little bit strange part of the story, but there is a simple, practical response that Jesus calls his followers to. Paul says in Colossians, he does kind of put the two side by side, not that one is the continuation of the other, but that there's an analogy or a parallel between the fact that Abraham was asked to, to, to make a simple act of obedience and to respond with a physical, concrete, grounded step. And Jesus asked the same thing of his disciples. He says, believe in me, repent, trust me, follow me, and be baptized. And so the act of baptism becomes this sign or this symbol, this very simple response that isn't about checking boxes or doing anything, but is a public affirmation for themselves and for those around them that they have chosen to follow Jesus. It's kind of a nice sign than circumcision, I think. Very grateful to live in the New Testament covenant. Um, but it's also weird. It's also kind of strange and unusual to get up in front of a bunch of strangers and to go underwater and to come up wet. And you know, It's not something that people do normally every day. It has symbolic value. It kind of tells the story of Jesus' death and resurrection, the going under the water and the being raised again. But in the end, Jesus says, like with Abraham, it's about a step of obedience. Jesus says, I want you to commit to following me. Your part is the response. And the response is saying, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And the public affirmation and demonstration of that, that he calls his people to, is baptism. So, I told you a bit of my story this morning, just a little bit. We've looked at a little bit of Abraham's story, and as I said, I'd encourage you to read some more of it. And we've talked about God's story, if you like, the story of Jesus and how these three link together. The question I want to ask you is, where does this fit with your story? How is God speaking to you? Because God hasn't changed. God's call on your life is the same as it was on Abraham's life, as it was on the disciples of Jesus, as it has been on mine, as it has been on many of those who are sitting around you. Come, follow me. Trust me. Walk with me. I will be your God and you will be my people. Now, I know that lots of us are here today and are part of this community because that's the decision that we have made. That is the defining marker of our lives. There might be a moment, a day that you can go back to and say, that is the day that I decided to follow Jesus, or it might be something that happened over time, that's happened over your life, and that's been a constant decision day by day to walk with him. Following Jesus is the defining marker of who we are as the church. It's why we come together, and it's an invitation that God offers to all of us. And as I've been praying this week and thinking about Abraham's story and thinking about my story and thinking about Jesus' story and praying about you and your story. I wanted to put the question to you because I think sometimes when we come together in church, we can kind of assume that we're all on the same page and we can talk in ways that make it sound like it's a given. But that's not how it works. Each one of us needs to respond to Jesus' call for ourselves. And maybe you're someone who comes to church with your family or with your friends. Maybe you're new to this whole Christian thing and you're still figuring it out. And it would be remiss of me if I didn't let you know that God's call to you is the same as his call 
to Abraham, as his call to the disciples, as his call to me when I was 15, as his call to many of us. Will you come? Will you follow me? Will you pick up your feet and choose to make that the defining marker of your life, that you will walk with Jesus? There's no promise that it will suddenly solve all your problems or make life easy, that it won't be messy and complicated. There is a promise that he will walk with you as you choose to walk with him. And there is an invitation to be a part of what he is doing in the world. So I want to put that challenge before you and ask you to consider, if you haven't considered that before, what is your response when you hear, not me, but God himself say to you in his son Jesus, come, follow me. I also want to challenge those of you who have made that decision to follow Jesus, but maybe haven't taken that step of affirming it publicly and responding to his invitation in obedience to be baptised. Again, not something we talk about all the time um, and not something that we want to overemphasise, but an important part of the story that from Abraham through Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, every person in the Old Testament who I could mention, right through the line of Jesus, his disciples. Again, I could go through the early church right through to today. As God invites each person, each generation, each individual to follow him, he also invites them to make that known, to take a really simple, concrete, public, scary, odd, unusual step and say yes. Not only do I want to decide to follow Jesus, but I want everybody to know. I want that to be the defining marker of my life. And so if that's something that you've never thought about before, or maybe you've been thinking about for a while and been putting off for various reasons, again, I don't want this to be a challenge for me. I want to ask you how you respond to Jesus when he simply says, follow me, repent, believe, and be baptised. And finally, I am guessing that there's a number of us here today who have decided to follow Jesus, and that is the defining marker of our lives, and who have been baptised and who sit here today and say, yep, I'm in. But life is messy. Life is hard. We get distracted. We maybe focus on what we think are the more important decisions, what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go. And day after day after day, we need to be reminded to come back to that simple call to follow Jesus. It's not about the what and the where and the how. It's about the who and the daily decision to follow him. So what I want to do this morning is spend some time praying together. Um, And I'm going to explain a little bit about how we're going to do this. Um, I want to invite you to pray. And we're going to pray through all of those things. I'm going to invite you, if you would like to respond and choose to follow Jesus, to pray that prayer with us. I'm going to invite you, if you're being challenged about the idea of baptism, to pray a prayer in response to that. And I'm going to invite you, if you're someone who just wants to say, again, this day, I choose to pick up my feet and follow Jesus, to pray that together. But I'm also going to ask you to do something maybe a little bit scary, and a little bit odd and a little bit unusual for us at Richmond. (laughs) But I'm warning you now, so you know where we're going. 
I'm going to ask you to take a practical, concrete step. So I'm going to open up the thing here, and there's going to be water, and we're going to start dunking people. No, it's <laughs> not how it works. I'm going to ask you to do something really simple in a moment, and that's just to stand up. Not for me, not for the person next to you, not for anyone else, but for you to say, I am taking a step. I'm following Jesus with my feet. So I'm going to invite you, as we go through those prayers, to stand as your act of affirmation. Uh, and then we're going to sing together some words that people have been singing for many, many years as a declaration of that decision, of that response to the call of Jesus to follow him. Does that sound all right? Let's pray. This is about you and Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about the people sitting around you. It's not about your family or your friends. Jesus, you are here. And your words to us, your call to us are the same as they have always been. Come, follow me. Lord Jesus, God, who has come and made yourself known to us, who died for us, who lives again and is here right now, speaking your words to us, come, follow me. Lord Jesus, there are some of us here who hear those words and know that we need to respond and say, yes, I will follow you. It's a decision of our minds. It's a decision of our hearts. It's a decision of our feet to say, yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. And so if that's you, if you are sitting here this morning and Jesus is speaking and inviting you to follow him, as I said, I want to invite you to pick up your feet, to stand up, to pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your call to follow and your promise to walk with me every moment, every day of my life. And I want to pick up my feet right now as a sign to say yes. I want to follow you. I don't know what it's going to mean. I don't know where you're going to take me. But I know that you will walk with me. I want to follow you. I know that there are also some of us here today who God is calling to take the next step, to be brave, to publicly affirm, this is who I am. The defining marker of my life is the choice to follow Jesus. And that might mean standing up. It might mean putting up my hand and saying, I'm going to get baptised. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to share with those around me that this is who I am, that I have decided to follow Jesus. And so again, if that's you, I want to invite you to pick up your feet and stand up and respond to Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for calling me to follow you. You have invited me 
not to just do that in my heart and in my mind, but with my feet, to make it known. Give me the courage to take the next step that you are calling me to, to follow you into the waters of baptism, into the courageous act of making known to everyone around me that this is who I am, a follower of Jesus. And there are many of us here today who have decided to follow Jesus and once again today need to say, yep, I'm all in. And if that's you, I want to invite you to stand. Day by day, step by step. Lord Jesus, thank you for calling us to follow you and we can look back and see the ways that you have called us, the ways that we have responded, those markers in our lives, those moments. But we know that it's not a decision we make once and for all, but a decision day by day, step by step, as we choose to follow you. And so we pray now, Lord, and we say to you, we have decided once again, this day and every day to come, to follow you to be a part of what you're doing in the world, to know you and be known by you and to make you known. Thank you that today is just an ordinary day. We're not wearing any special outfits. We didn't come with any special agendas. But this day, like every other day, your invitation always stands and you call us again and again to come and follow you. And we want to respond with our minds, with our hearts, with our feet and with our voices. Lord Jesus, we have decided to follow you. Amen.